Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Do it again at some point. That's just podcast life. It is. And all right, speaking of podcasts, this is one of them. One of the thousands and thousands and thousands of podcasts out there. But you've decided to listen to this one. Um, This is Inside the Cylinder, your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast. Um, My name's David Fernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host... Uh, Joey Mack. Uh, sorry, yeah, that was <laughs> that was a bad setup. Generally, you say my name first, but it's all good. I yeah. like to switch up there. Yeah, you know, got to keep you on your toes. Um, Absolutely. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. You know, my voice is a little, you know, little raspy. So thanks for putting up with that, y'all. But other than that, and the Pistons dink, but <laughs> you know, we're used to that by now. It's all good. It's all good. Kind of. Um, yeah, well, you can find this podcast on DetroitBadBoys.com, on Lineups.com slash podcast, new episodes on all of your normal podcasting streaming platforms. Um, as I said, we are here and uh, coming off a, a crisp L right now. So just to kind of set the stage, uh, the Pistons are currently 10 and 15. We are recording this. On following the Dallas Mavericks game um, in Mexico City, um, Joe, what you got? Anything for me? Well, should we just do a quick rundown of the last couple games leading up to Mexico City, or do you want to hear my thoughts coming straight off that loss? Let's hit them with some Pistons news, and then, then we'll get to that stuff. Cool. Uh, sounds good. Well, including that... Dallas Mavericks loss. Uh, the Pistons have actually won four of their last six games. So on a little bit of a hot streak, um, sitting at 10th place in the Eastern Conference. Is it still a game and a half behind the Mavericks? Or, or I'm sorry, the Magic? Yeah, Is still it? a game and a half behind the Magic for, okay. for the eighth seed. Awesome. So still in striking distance. And uh, in other exciting news, Reggie Jackson is going to be reevaluated in the next couple of days. And uh, progress, um, per reports, has been good thus far, uh, according to team sources and those close to the team. So that is uh, good. But yeah, right now we're coming off of the, uh, in quotations, home loss to the Mavs in... um, in Mexico City, and my—I mean, my first takeaway from that game is that Luka Doncic is just—he's a nuclear basketball player, and that's the first full game that I've watched of his. And um, he's just—I mean—he's super entertaining. He can do it all, and that Mavs team is really good on the 
Pistons side of things, um, just a bad game by Blake Griffin and a, bla- a bad game by Luke Kennard as well. Other than that, it was pretty well-rounded for the most part, but, um, you know, it would have been nice to get a win, but that's definitely a better Maps team. Yeah, I mean, I think that game was uh, it was pretty entertaining, honestly. I mean, Detroit found themselves down um, by double digits throughout the game, but they showed some fight um, both at the end of the first quarter and, um, you know, actually they got up going into the um, late in the second quarter and then the Mavericks kind of hit their stride um, <clears throat> and they were looked like they were about to take control uh, in the third quarter as well. And then Detroit had a, another surge there to keep the game close. But if you're looking at just like kind of a quarter by quarter basis, they lost the first 34-29, lost the second 31-29, lost the third 30-27, lost the fourth 27-26. So it was like kind of close on like a quarter by quarter basis, although it didn't really feel like that, honestly, kind of towards the end, um, you know, especially when they were down. 13, 14 points with like five or six minutes left. You know, you definitely knew where this game was going to go. But all in all, I mean, you got some really solid performances, especially out of Andre Drummond. I mean, he was phenomenal. Um, But uh, uh, a lot of the guys that that you really needed to step up um, in order to secure a win against the third place in the Western Conference Dallas Mavericks weren't able to do it. And Joe, I think you said it before we were recording Possibly Blake Griffin's worst game in a Detroit Pistons uniform. And and I think you might be right. I can't remember many games where he looked as just not he wasn't able to do anything on the court tonight. So I don't know. That that's on, definitely... on both sides too, not just <clears throat> offensively. He was getting blown by defensively. And um it Markeith Morris was a better option on the floor. Um I think I I messaged you saying that we should just keep Blake Griffin out of the game, whether he's healthy or not, just because he's playing so poorly. And, um, you know, the bench played really well. D-Rose shot, like, probably too many three-pointers, but, like, it was necessary for, like, our desperate attempts to get back into the game, and he actually shot the ball, like, pretty well. D-Rose played well. Christian Wood, I think, put up 10 um, with some monster dunks. And Marquise, who I mentioned earlier, played well. So, you know, if the... Starting lineup picks up the slack, then that's like a close game. Um, but you know, you move on from it. It's not one of those losses that I leaves like a super bad taste in my mouth because I don't expect Blake Griffin to have too many of those games. Um, same for Luke Kennard, but you you really just hope that they could put the team on their back and um, at least you know have a consistent game. So uh, quick question. Yeah, for I will you, say. Joe. I will say. One real quick, I will say it was a really cool environment to like watch. I haven't watched any of those international games yet, so it was fun to see like a neutral stadium with a bunch of really excited fans who don't generally get to like go to NBA games. So um, you know that that was that was a cool experience, and it was technically a home sellout for the Pistons. True, which, first uh, one just like going to work probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it kind of almost felt like a <clears throat> like a home environment there for a little bit like the I, I i kind of felt like the you know the the stadium was informed who the home team was and they were going for it unless there was just happened to have a lot of you know detroit basketball fans down in mexico city but um you know i i, I, I agree joe it was a really cool environment um 
I, I think the players were into it too. They seemed like they all had a lot of energy for the game um, and were excited to play in front of that crowd. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really cool endeavor that the NBA is doing with that. But um, I did have a question for you, Joe. Uh, this is – we haven't really talked a ton about – Dwayne Casey. I mean, I, I think that's one topic that we'll we'll kind of have to get a little bit more deeper into down the road. But you know, a, as you were saying, Blake Griffin was just didn't have it going tonight. He was like three of seventeen from the floor in thirty minutes of play. Um, and Christian Wood was balling out when he was on the floor. He only played fourteen minutes. He had ten points and eight boards. Um, you mentioned Markeith Morris. Do you have like any issues with what you've seen so much so far from like a, a lineup perspective or like a strategy perspective from the coaching staff? And I think this game would be a, a good one to point out um, just in general. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Not specifically. I, there are times where I would like them to go a different direction. I just from like an energy and a like uh, a swing of momentum perspective like Christian Wood can really get like the bench involved and the entire team involved and provide some instant offense. I know that there are like issues with his defense, but there's issues with our entire defense, which is why we're going into zones and just having all these chaotic defensive schemes in general. So it's not a a bone to pick by any means. I think that you have to ride out Blake Griffin unless there is an injury, which I don't think there is. So there's nothing specific that... I would point to and say that is something I wish they would do differently. I do think that there's a significant lack of offense with Bruce Brown and Tony Snell on the floor together. I know that, like, I think on paper that's supposed to be, like, that five-man lineup is good. Um, but overall, I think we, you know, I think I think they're doing um, the right thing. But But sometimes I would like to see a bit more of Christian Wood. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say, like, you got to sit Blake Griffin. Like he's a guy that's making $35 million this year. And, you know, he's technically healthy. Although, you know, I think a lot of people in the Pistons Twitter sphere, the people that follow this team would question that. I mean, I question that he doesn't look right. He doesn't look like he's able to do nearly any of the things he was able to do on the floor um, that we saw last year. What I was brought up to you before we recorded was, you know, even in situations where he gets a switch, um, he has a little guy on him. He, he's not effective in that sort of like back to the basket, bully his way to the cup. Last year, he was getting really easy looks deep into the paint. This year, he's either not able to get there or once he does, he kind of just sort of sells out and, and looks for a foul call and, and or, he, or he just hasn't been able to convert when he's down there, period. So I don't know. There's just a lot that I have questions about when it comes to like how healthy is Blake Griffin and should he be playing I know this team's fighting for the eight seed essentially but I don't know it just looks really um just inept essentially out there when he's on the floor at times recently yeah and he's just your guy so you got to have him out on the floor um and I guess you just have to trust the training staff and the coaching staff to know where he's at physically with those ailments but um you know he could string together a couple games of efficient 25 points and we're saying we were idiots you know looking back on it it's just like not a Blake Griffin that we're used to so I guess it's a valid question to ask um for sure and also like when when Markeith is playing that well it, it just provides a different element and the the offense seems like 
there's a different rhythm to it. And I'm not sure if that's just specifically the, uh, the flow that our bench has gotten into, but there does seem to be uh, a solid on floor relationship between D Rose and, um, Markeith Morris, uh, you know, at least on offense. So you also don't want to break up a good thing going on coming off the bench. That's fair. And, and I think one thing that, that we, you know, have down here, um, it, it, we, that we just spoke about was Reggie Jackson's return. You know, there's a chance that he could be back in a Pistons uniform playing basketball next week. Um, so I think, you know, that's going to definitely shake things up with these, you know, rotations that we've seen so far. Um, someone's minutes are going to suffer. I don't necessarily know who. I think the obvious candidate there would be Bruce Brown, but he's still one of your better on-ball defenders, especially for guards or you know smaller wings um i don't know joe do you have any sense of what the pistons are going to be doing or what they should do once reggie jackson's ready to roll yeah i think it's gonna be bruce brown um he is one of our best perimeter defenders and he's generally guarding the other team's best offensive player but like how many points did Luka Doncic score tonight 41 i mean guys are still good good players are gonna go off Regardless, you're just making it harder for them. So, uh, you know, Bruce Brown gives you virtually nothing on offense. A couple games with, you know, seven or eight points, but he's not a threat, and teams consistently sag off of him in order to put more pressure on your actual scores. Um, so, I just don't think that he's strung together games worth him starting. Uh, definitely not starting. Um, or the uh, the value add that a guy like Svi brings to the offensive side of the floor. So I guess it's a situation where I'm willing to compromise defense for offense um, just because our defense is bad in general. And um, I think it's really team defense that needs to be fixed, not specific one-on-one matchups. And, and so I don't think you're losing a ton in that sense. I just still think that there's things they need to figure out there. And yeah, I think that... that um that rotation that you had mentioned. And I, I, this is kind of, uh, it's kind of hard to tell and how much to read truly to read into this, but I saw a stat that was floating around. I think it was on NBA fan cited. Um, their Twitter account had uh, a tweet that said the Pistons lineup of Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Tony Snell, Luke Kennard, and Bruce Brown has the best net rating of any five man lineup that has played more than 50 minutes together. Um, and, and that's a group that's really kind of formed recently because there was, you know, that time you know, a couple weeks ago where Tony Snell was, you know, injured. He was not playing any games. Um, that sort of thrusted Luke Kennard as like a mainstay in the starting lineup. So now that Tony Snell's been back, they've really been running those guys together more consistently. Um, that's one area where it's like, okay, you know, they, they have looked pretty good on the floor together. Um, and I don't necessarily know if you want to break that up 100% right off the bat, especially when you don't know what Reggie Jackson's going to look like as soon as he gets back, do you think that there's any chance that they have like a bench rotation of Reggie Jackson and, and Derek Rose as, as the two guards coming off the bench? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't, I just don't, I mean, how many minutes has that five-man lineup played together? Is it many more than 50 minutes? Is it high, a high enough sample size? Like, it definitely went down after the Mavs game. So I just question how much validity that has. 
and also Reggie Jackson's your starting point guard, and you wait until he's 100% or until he's as close to 100% as possible to bring him back with confidence that he can be your starting point guard. And our offense, I'm sorry, our starting lineup just needs that offensive firepower. So I think that to me, that's the only option. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know that 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 I don't want to mess with the bench either. Well, right now, <clears throat> this is what I'm just seeing from that five man lineup. Um, in eight games played, they've had 99 minutes together, which is tops for Pistons five man rotations. And they have a net rating of 25.8, offensive rating of 114, and a defensive rating of 88.2, um, which is kind of strange. I mean, they haven't played that much together, like I said. You know, we're already 25 games into the season. They've only played eight games. That's an area for me where I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, truly having like a, an, an awesome bench mob with Reggie Jackson coming off the bench. And as you said, Joe, you know, you want to make sure that Reggie Jackson 100%, they're, they're not going to rush him back. You know, they've seen that, you know, scenario play out a little too much um, in the past, and it hasn't been good for Detroit. But, I mean, I wouldn't be 100% opposed to it, honestly, just because it's like, I don't know, throw some shit at the wall and see what sticks. You know, if this five-man lineup with Bruce Brown, and you're right, it's going to go down after tonight's game. But at the same point, like, that's still an impressive amount of minutes, and an impressive showing from that group. So, you know, if I were running this team, which I'm not, I, I wouldn't mind sort of easing Reggie Jackson back into play and bringing him off the bench. Honestly, I don't think that his ego would take a hit at this point. I don't think it really matters at this point if this team's trying to win games, if that's what the goal is. That's just my opinion. Nice. Yeah, I, that's one of those things that I guess we disagree on, which is a bit refreshing. Um I well, part of my issue is that like we already have a great bench. I think they lead the league or they're second in the league in scoring, and I don't necessarily see that scoring increasing with Reggie Jackson. I just see it being more diversified in terms of who's going to get shots up and who's going to get those points, while the offensive scoring isn't going to increase in my mind. So I would just like to balance the offense more and. Um, I, eventually Reggie's going to be your starting point guard in an ideal world if he's healthy. So I just think that you need to slot him back in that lineup in order to get, you know, back accustomed to, to playing with all those guys. Um, but I think we'll all just be excited to have him back on the floor in general. Yeah. You know, it, it's been so, so much of an afterthought with so with everything that's been going on this season. You know, he's just kind of like a, uh, a bonus essentially that you're like, Oh, you know, Hey, that, that came in all, all, out of nowhere. I, you know, completely, you know, I've been used to life without Reggie Jackson. So um, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens, but uh, let's move on. So, you know, the, the Pistons recently, I guess you can call it a surge. Um, they've won four of their last six games. Um, you know, they haven't had the most quality wins, um, you know, dating back to, uh, the Cavalier, or no, actually dating back to the Spurs game where they spanked the Spurs by 34 points. Um, they beat up on the Cavaliers, lost to the Bucks, had a really impressive win against the Pacers. I was actually at that game. Um, then they took out the the Pelicans with the Derrick Rose, uh, you know, game winner as time was nearly expiring. And then they, you know, kind of rounded off with this 
double-digit loss to the Mavericks. But, uh, Joe, do you, have you noticed anything from the, in general from the Pistons' play that has led to this um, recent surge from this group? Yeah, the main thing, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it really is the the bench. It's um, it's Derrick Rose's clutch scoring. Um, Langston Galloway has been terrific. I think he's averaging 11 or 12 points a game, uh, shooting a high clip from three-point, and he's put it together over a course of, of games that is a much higher volume than we're used to in the past. We're used to like the Langston where he has two really hot games and then two cold games uh, or something of that sort. And so, um, you know, the the shooting off the bench has been phenomenal. Svee's contributed there. And then Christian Wood has been uh, a staple um, uh, it, at the center position as well. Um, so that that's a major um, uh, area that I think has contributed uh, to the streak. Um, and it's definitely the most consistent uh, lineup. You know, I, I know you noted like the... Uh, um, the five man, that's, the starting yeah, yeah, that five man. But but for me, the, like the standouts really have been those four or five guys. Markeith Morris has contributed. He still has games where you can't really uh, figure it out. But I do have confidence in his offensive abilities. And, um, you know, th- those guys have just stepped up and, and proven themselves to be um, a pretty stout uh, a bench mob in general. Is there anything for you that, that you would pinpoint? I mean, the defense has been a lot better. Um, you know, they're not getting uh, you know, torched in transition. They're not um, turning the ball over, leading to those types of opportunities as much. Um, and three-point shooting has just been outstanding. By percentage, uh, going into this game, they were the number one three-point shooting team in the league. And you mentioned some of the guys already. Um, Svi, he's shooting 46% from three. Langston's on fire. We already know Luke Kennard's a bucket. Um, so, you know, those are two areas where it's like, okay, if your defense can hold teams to a respectable clip and you're able to, you know, get quality looks from three um, and you have a solid, you know, obviously starting lineup that has been producing a lot better as of late, coupled with this bench mob that's going off, you know, it's like that's, that's the type of team – like Detroit's not star-studded, obviously. You know, they're they're and the, and their main star, Blake Griffin, during that stretch hasn't even played that well. He's 16 points per game on 37% from the floor. So, but if you're able to get solid contributions out of the rest of your guys, um, that's a team that that should, in essence, be able to beat most of their bad teams on their schedule. Like, yeah, they might be able to sneak a win here and there. Um, they've been a thorn in the Pacers' side. Um, but it, it's still a concern because it, it's almost happening a little too late, right? Like, we're 25 games into the season. They're five games under 500. they They're only 1.5 back from the Magic. But you have to question whether or not they're going to be able to continue a run, you know, going to be able to win two or three games in a row. Um, They haven't won three games in a row all season. So there's still a lot of questions that left for this team. But in general, I mean, they've just been getting a lot of solid contributions from pretty much everyone who's been on the floor so far. And you're not seeing Tim Frazier out there. So I think that's a good thing too. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, um, 
I, I have concern with Blake Griffin. You you would like to see everything clicking at the same time, and it's it's a new concept that Blake Griffin is the one guy who's standing out as the player that just really can't get things going. And, um, you know, the ball isn't moving in his, his direction, or at least the, the plays aren't being called for him as much as they were last year, um, which is helping to get other guys involved. And with Luke Kennard on the floor uh, at the same time as him, uh, he's just not going to have the volume of, uh, um, you know, ball control as he had in the past. So uh, I guess there's a little bit of, uh, you know, first of all, you know, he got the rust off after the first 10 or 11 games that he missed. And then um, also just adjusting to the offense. But, um, you know, we do, you do rely on your best player, your max contract player um, to put up uh, a consistent numbers night in and night out um, ranging, you know, within ranging from like pretty good to great, not like really bad to, to kind of good. Like he's been, ranging recently so um you'd hope that he could will us to a couple of wins when other guys aren't 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 hitting because i'm not sure that we can rely on um derrick rose and luke Kennard and markeith morris and all of those guys to to win us games because we've seen that they're inconsistent as well yeah and i think that there's definitely um you know one thing that you've noticed so far from this year compared to last year there hasn't been a staple game where Blake's won you that game. Like there hasn't been any game so far this season that I can remember where you can just like patently say, "Yep, that was a Blake Griffin game." You know, if it weren't for him, Detroit would have gotten the L. You know, it's been more so like, "All right, well, hey, you know, Blake had a solid game there." But you know, you can point to games where it's like, "That was the D. That was a D Rose game. That was an Andre Drummond game." With Blake Griffin, it's just like you're just not seeing it, and it's a big concern especially looking at that contract, especially looking at, you know, how many more years you have left with him. And, you know, you hope that he can get it right. But right now it just doesn't seem like he's going to have the time or the opportunity to be able to rest. Um, Detroit's going to play him. You know, we all know what Detroit's goal is. It's to make the playoffs. And um, unless there's some sort of major mentality shift, um, they're going to be riding him. and, And you might just be seeing these types of like, okay games from Blake and, and then, you know, some poor games from Blake, but it, it just doesn't seem like there's going to be an opportunity for him. And I, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. He might be able to, you know, snap his fingers and come back and look like the Blake of old. But right now I haven't seen any signs from it so far this year that that's going to happen. Yeah. And a lot of that is his three point shot that he was so good with last year, like the step back three, um, and well, any really one-on-one move that he makes around the three-point line, he just hasn't been able to uh, knock that shot down this year, and, and that's become a major element of his game. So, um, you know, if he goes one for <laughs> one for ten um, for from three like he did tonight, or one for seven, or zero oh for three like he did against the Pelicans, uh, it's just going to be tough for us to win those games. I mean, even tonight, they were leaving him open out there. They're just like, shoot the damn ball. Like, you're, you're not hitting him, and he hasn't been able to. It's just not falling for him. I mean, he had a great game against the Pacers. He had a clutch three to help seal that win. But in general, you're right, Joe. It's just not clicking like it was last year. And you would hope that the three-point shot wouldn't be something that, that would start to falter because that's not a play that's taking a big wear and tear on his body. That's the play that's like, okay, you know, they kicked it out to you. You're open. 
hit the three, hit it at a semi-respectable clip, keep it moving, get back on defense. But that just hasn't been what we've seen so far. Um, <clears throat> but Joe, I, I did have another question for you. So, you know, this quote-unquote surge that Detroit's gone through so far, which in honesty, it's their best stretch of the season to date, winning four of six games. Um, and and well, actually, let me back up. When we recorded last time, I was talking about blowing this thing up. Um, you know, we talked about different areas and opportunities and how you're going to navigate that. But um, you said, you know, I want to give it 25 games um, before I decide, you know, what course I, I would prefer this team to go in. Well, it's been 25 games. Where do you want this team to go from here? Well, standing pat and bloating it up is a spectrum. It's not one or the other. It's not either like your buyers or your sellers. I, I do think that there's a pretty big gray area in between where you can find a happy medium, um, which is pretty much where I would want to live at this trade deadline. Um, I, I don't I don't know how much value Blake Griffin has. So that, that kind of gives me some issues. Um, I, I don't really know how much value Andre has. Uh, if you can get a good piece in return for either one of those two, yeah. I'm pretty much on board. If it's a matter of trading both of those two and keeping D-Rose, keeping uh, you know, Luke Kennard, obviously, and Tony Snell and all those guys, then like I, I don't I guess I don't completely understand what our arrow is on the season. Uh, but I, I think you need to aggressively make some phone calls and, and answer the phone and see what kind of shakeup you you can possibly have i do think that there's um uh, a strong likelihood that we could make the playoffs this year and that should be the uh the goal but like also the goal is to figure out what this team's going to be in two or three seasons so um i think stefanski and, and tom gores just really need to figure out what the blueprint is what the timeline is what the vision is and um you know right now it's pretty clear that they're trying to pray to the basketball gods and and hope that this team can remain healthy and somehow sneak a favorable first round matchup and like that's best case scenario not not worth sticking around for so i I just hope that they can hopefully swindle some some deals and um you know brighten up the future a little bit while also allowing the team to to remain effective so um, you know, I think the roster as is with the minutes restrictions and the uh, injuries, like specifically Reggie Jackson, um, it's just the roster is not just not going anywhere. Um, so as, as a front office, it wouldn't make any sense to, to sit on your hands and not make any sort of moves. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I can view this in like two different areas. Like, what do I think the Detroit's going to do? I, well, they, they're not buyers. They're not going to be buyers. They don't necessarily, they don't have the pieces. They're not in the business. They should not be in the business. I don't think that they are in moving on from Kennard and Siku and, you know, packaging players together to get, you know, a, a player that you would feel like is like an impact player that can help this team right away. Um, that's just would be silly in my opinion. And, and I'd revolt if they traded Luke Kennard. Um, <clears throat> But I, I do think that they're they're probably going to stand pat. Um, what I think that they should do, I, I, they can't move Blake Griffin right now. His his trade value has to be at an all time low. 
um, at least since he's been in Detroit. So, and, and probably throughout his career, because the, the Clippers got a solid package for him when Detroit traded for him. So I, I don't think you can move on from Blake Griffin. You're kind of stuck with him right now, and, and you kind of hope that he can turn it around, become a you know better version of himself. Um, but you know there are other guys out there. You know I, I do think that Markeith Morris is a guy that you could possibly move to help out a a team that's uh, you know looking to win now. You look at like Derrick Rose. I think that's a player that you could part with to um, a team. And, and you know we're bringing it up because December fifteenth is the the day when all of the recently signed free agents can be traded. So 90% of the league is going to be available. Um, And I think those are the types of moves that you start to look at to to build for the future. Yeah, you might not be 100% blowing it up and, you know, leading to a 15-win Pistons team over the next couple of years. But at the same time, you're at least picking a direction and a direction that, that gives the fans some sort of, like, light at the end of the tunnel. Because right now it's just not there. And, you know, it's just kind of disheartening, honestly. You know, we were hoping that this season was going to be one where they could, you know, finagle their way into the fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth seed. And, you know, at least sneak a few wins in the playoffs. Maybe find a a puncher's chance at, you know, making it out of the first round. Um, And then, you know, you kind of go from there. You reevaluate what you got this summer. But right now it's just like, what the hell are they going to do? Like, there's just you, they can scratch and claw for the eight seed, but just to get handed off to the Bucks again for another ass whooping, I'm just not in that boat right now. And I really do hope Detroit starts to look to move some of these pieces that that will help out teams that are competing right now, where you would be able to get some possible assets for the future. So that's where I stand. So that would include D Rose and. Potentially, I guess Bruce Brown, if somebody's looking for a per- perimeter defender. So, like, those are guys that you're willing to shop. I wouldn't um, want to move Bruce just because of his contract is so friendly, and I think that he's still got a lot to grow. But Derrick Rose, Markeith Morris, um, Andre Drummond, um, you know, Tony Snell, maybe Tony, Tony Snell, like all of those guys, and, and I, I all don't of our good offseason like, signings. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to like lightly throw out Andre Drummond there. It's just like he's got a contract situation coming up this year. I don't want Detroit to be in this sort of Tom Gorzian type of haze where they're just going to throw max dollars at him because they like him, you know. And I'm a big Andre Drummond fan. I think he can help out some teams, but I think you got to listen to those types of phone calls. But right now, it's just like everything else, all these other smaller pieces. I am okay with moving them. You know, right now for me, there's the guys that I would not want to touch. I would want Detroit to hold on to no matter what are Luke Kennard, um, Siku, obviously. Um, you know, Christian Wood, I think that's a guy that you can bring back and hopefully have him blossom. He's 23 years old. Svi, he's young. He's a promising player. Um, you know, and other than that, did I say Bruce Brown? But Bruce Brown in there as well. You know, those are the guys where it's like, okay, this is a young-ish core. Let's see what we can possibly build for the future with with these young guys that are on team-friendly deals. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. That that would be uh, it. Would be nice to know that there's a direction the front office is trying to go in if that's what they decided to do. Because right now, it's just hard to tell. It's hard to tell, and it's honestly like Detroit gets made fun of all the time in the in the national 
sphere of like coverage of, of like how what it is that they're trying to do that they're fighting and clawing and scrapping for the scraping for the eighth seed and that's what's happening like there's no doubt about it just look at the team look where they're currently situated and it's like yeah that that's that's kind of their ceiling right now and and especially with the quality that the the bucks are right now it's like you really want to fight and just just dedicate all of your energy and all of the fans sort of like hopes and prayers to just get handed off and sacrificed to the fucking Milwaukee Bucks. Like, cause we saw that last year, dude. And that was, you and I were there for game one. We weren't there, but we were, you know, in Chicago, hanging out, excited, ready to watch the game. And <laughs> they were down by like 36 in the second quarter. It's like, this is not what, this is not it. This ain't it. You gotta do something different. Yeah, I, I have a sense that they will be semi-aggressive in trying to move someone because if we feel this way, then like the team management has to feel the same way, right? That's their job. And um, you know, they're while we're not blossoming with young young talent or like uh shiny pieces that competitive teams would uh, you know, significantly desire. We do have some guys that like deserve some phone calls and, um, uh, yeah, you know, can, can get some return. And, and even if you don't get the greatest return, um, you know, if you get a guy like Svi, like a young guy who has potential, like that, that's, that's the sort of thing that we're looking for with maybe a draft pick involved. Um, we're cool with that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, exactly. Like the Reggie Bullock trade last year. So that was a win for Detroit. They got Svi who's like producing, you know they they got a they got off Reggie Bullock not not that they had money coming up but he was a, a due to be a free agent you know that that's like a move where you can like part with Marquise Morris it's like hey you played well while you were here it was a short you know cup of coffee with the Pistons go on and and play for a more competitive team and let's see what we can do moving forward let's like start to like set the groundwork for something different than what we're seeing now and even if that's like hey I'm sorry Blake you're gonna be here for you know, some some pretty poor seasons, at least the fan base has some sort of semblance because this this little surge, this little, you know, little uptick in play has just been not enough for me to be like, all right, let, let's go for it. Let's let's refocus for the playoffs because I, I just don't see other any other ending than what we've already seen. I'm down. All right, man. Well, I think that's all I got. Same, man. All right, guys. Well, as I said, inside the cylinder, you're... Go to Detroit Pistons Podcast. And, um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at InsideTheCYLNDR. New episodes on DetroitBadBoys.com, lineups.com slash podcast. Check us out. Give us up in the comments. And uh, we'll catch you next week.